Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We reveal how F1's decision-making process really works and why change isn't always for the better. you get to experience the Machiavellian machinations of the inner workings of Formula One politics, but today's guest spent many years doing this in the thick of the paddock and also in the World Rally Championship. He really knows motorsport inside out. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and my guest is Paul Hembury, best known for a long stint as Pirelli's motorsport director, but now no longer with the Italian tyre company. So that's a a big change considering you were there for almost 27 years. So, so, So what's happening? Yeah, that's a lifetime, isn't it? Twenty-seven years, uh, marvelous years, um, great experience. Um, but it was it was time to move on. There's a number of things that uh, I still want to to do in my life, and uh, it was uh, it was the right timing for both of us. So yes, time to move on. I mean, it's it's interesting that obviously everything associates you with with Pirelli, the Sarsad, and as we said in your introduction, you do see Formula One kind of at the heart of it the 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 paddock conversations all the the things that go on to make the the wider political decisions happen and obviously you've got some strong opinions on the direction the sport should be going but it's interesting to look at the the, the kind of malaise that formula one's been in for almost a decade now with what it should be what it's aiming to be where it's going we've got minor rule changes this year that are going to make 
Nearest makes no difference. No, no difference. Um, <laughs> and isn't that sad? <laughs> well, that's that's, sad? that's that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, there's reasons for it, but obviously there's a, the big change that's being touted for 2021, which could be good, but probably won't be. It's it's all very very. Sh- what? Why doesn't in broad terms? Why doesn't Formula One choose a good path and go down it? Why why are these problems always just going round and round and round and round? Because it feels like we'd be sat here in 20 years talking about the exact same problems. Yeah. I think when you're looking from the outside, it's, it's hard to understand that, that there are so many people with a vested interest in, in Formula One and have ultimately probably different agendas that they're trying to achieve. Um, you know, you, you can think the teams are obviously very, very obvious, but there are promoters of events, there are television companies, there's sponsors, there's this technical partners, people like Pirelli that, that are involved, and each and every one of those has an interest in, in something, and it doesn't always mean they're, they're pointing in the right direction. So that, that tends to be the greatest difficulty in Formula One, where they're trying to find, for the vast majority of time, a solution that pleases the vast majority of people. Now, when you do that, as, as we've seen with, with Brexit recently, um, trying to find a consensus amongst people that maybe aren't uh, in, on the same direction, it, it leads to a lot of uh, twists and turns going around in circles and ultimately not always achieving what you're, you're setting out to achieve. So that, that that's really it. Um, when, when changes are made, for example, the rule change you mentioned, it, it was done in a good context. You know, they, they've identified a problem with uh, with overtaking, with the, the wake, the disturbance of uh, the air when, when cars are following... Um, following some they want to overtake, that that disturbance causes the performance loss and they're unable to get close enough to, to perform an overtaking manoeuvre. So they've, they've understood it. They've come up with some ideas for a solution. But when you have the teams already telling you that's not going to work, and there have been teams have said it's a complete waste of time, then you really do have to question um, the decision-making process, because Formula One is full of amazing people with great minds, great intelligence, and great ability. So if they want to make cars that overtake, they can do it. If you give them the brief to make a car that's got brilliant overtaking capabilities, Formula One can come up with it. So it, it's what they're asked to do that is the problem. And that's that's where the conflict of interest comes from. So as soon as you have a change, some teams love a change because their innovation skills are are great and they can adapt to it rapidly somebody like Red Bull for example who, who who are very very good at adapting to change others who have say a winning formula think no I don't want to change because we know what we're doing and it's winning and you could probably take Mercedes to, to an extent Ferrari from that point of view so you already have uh, a very different perspective on, on, on change and how to manage it and how to deal with it before you've even got, got to where you're trying to, to achieve a certain result and in this case overtaking so that, that that tends to be the vicious circle that Formula One gets itself into, and the reason you don't have um, a dramatic change is because it's it's tough for somebody to stand up front and go, "This is what we're doing, and this is how we're going to do it." That bravery isn't there. So who who should be responsible for doing that? Because we see all sorts of different people blame. People can blame the FIA and John Top. They can blame Formula <laughs> One itself and Chase Carey. They can blame Bernie Eccleston from the past. They could blame those nuisance people at Pirelli with yeah. their high deg tires in the past. There's lots of there's lots of blame going around, but actually, who who's empowered to, or does it require a more collective desire to do something, and then you find who's going to lead the way? Well, I think you, you've touched on it there, a collective desire to do something, and you, there there isn't one person at fault, and that's not to avoid you know pointing somebody out because it simply isn't because it's the sport is run by by committee. There's a strategy group, and then there's an F1 commission, and already you're you're looking at groups of people. So there's there's not one person that's actually leading, leading the charge with a clear direction and a, a clear plan. 
because at the moment the the interests are, are divided amongst many people and that's why you can't actually pin down one person and sometimes and you get this in business as well sometimes a, a meeting with 20 people is done because then nobody really takes the responsibility when it goes wrong um, equally nobody can really take the credit either but uh, that, that that does tend to happen so it's it's missing uh, a maverick visionary at the moment who 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 wants you know he or she that can see something different for for the future and maybe maybe if you take the example of formula e um, which people often use as a reference but you have someone there that created a gag you know he, he created a, a series based on his vision his ideas of, of of what he felt was a race series that that could appeal to manufacturers in in, in that case and and go to new locations you know city center city center races to so you're in the, in the face of the public and you have to give a lot of credit to, to formula e because over the the 20 plus years i've been involved in motorsport i think the list of failed racing series is you know hundreds probably that i've seen over the years and very very few successful motor motor racing series formula e is one of them formula one is obviously one and the, the the GT racing of Stefan Rattel, the SRO, in recent years, when they changed their approach to 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 racing by going to the the GT3 cars primarily, balance of performance, attracting in 12, 13, 14 car manufacturers, prestige car manufacturers, that's now a race series that that works for for manufacturers and competitors alike. So there are a few successes, um, but it needs somebody to have a vision. And, and a clear, clear identity of where they're going. And Formula One doesn't have that at the moment, and that's that's a reality of many years of actually Bernie running the sport very well. And people, I know, it became popular to criticise him at the end, but pulling together all of those people we've just mentioned, you know, the the circuit um, promoters, the television people, the, the sponsors, the drivers, the manufacturers, the FIA, that's a tough job. That's an incredibly tough job to, to bring all those people together and get them in, 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 in at least a semblance of a direction. Um, but during this period of time, of course, the world's changed. So people often mention, you know, when you're talking to friends, oh, it was better in the past. And that, that's one of the, the, the most nonsensical comments that you're ever going to hear because it wasn't better in the past. If you see the past now, it tends to be the highlights program of a season, you know, Senna Prost, if you want to take that era. Um, but it is a highlights program. If if you were actually racing during that period, and some of the drivers were towed from the period, they were lapped. I don't know how many times, two, three times. So, um, the modern Formula One is not dramatically different to the past. You know, it's it's had periods of domination in recent years. We saw Ferrari, we've had Red Bull, and now we have Mercedes. But there was also a period when Williams were dominant, and uh, you know, you, you can go back in in history and and see those periods of dominance, technical dominance primarily, of, of a certain manufacturer. So it's not that different from, from where we were in the past. What has changed in time is what the public does. And it's not just Formula One, it's, it's what they do in everything they do. Uh, you talk to any anyone who's trying to sell a product today, and they'll tell you that, um, well, even yourselves, you know, if you think of, you know, people don't go out and buy the magazines in the way they used to. Um, they, they go online for, for news information and... Uh, get their updates for, for motorsport um, and the role of the, the printed magazine as we, we were discussing before we went on air has changed and it's probably become something you do when you're flying on an airplane or you find in a hotel room so the role of the magazine has changed and that's that's similar to Formula 1 that the the public and the new public and that's the real challenge it's, it's finding new public because the younger generation are completely different in what they do in the way that they 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 take information, the way they watch things, they're watching things on their, their laptops or their 
um, their iPads or their phones. They don't really sit in front of televisions anymore. It tends to be mobile devices, um, which is a very clear evidence of, of a change in, in consumer behavior. Um, they also want compact, compact uh, entertainment. And what I mean by that is they want big hits in a concentrated fashion. So if, if you've got a three-day race weekend, as we have in Formula One, you know, anyone who's been there on a Friday through a whole season will look you know, and say, why on earth are we, we here? And these are the, the unspoken things that everyone talks about, but nothing ever changes. You know, why do we do Friday? You don't go and watch um, Manchester United or Chelsea training on Wednesday afternoon, do you, on their, their set pieces? Yet, strangely, in, in, in motorsport, in Formula One, we, we have this... Um, we have this bizarre show on on a Friday, which which has very little interest. Um, equally, a ninety minute race. It, it's very hard to to find to find a sport where ninety minutes concentration is is going to create bang for buck for the type of thing that the people want. I guess you could argue football is the obvious. You, you could argue football, but even then, you know, people tell me that people now sort of join in at half time, get the highlights at half time, and watch the second half to get the result. So I don't know how, how true that is, but I have heard that commented on. Um, you can take, let's say, the, the crazy sport of cricket, which so few people in the world know about, but it used to be a five-day um, slog of, you know, you, you, you go to the bathroom and miss the action. You know, something would happen when you're in the bathroom and you know, there'd be a wicket or a six. Um, but they changed. They went for the big bash, you know, created something that works on a Friday night under the floodlights if you're down in Australia. And the fans love it. You know, something that was so entrenched in a way of, 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 of the sport that decided we can't do this anymore. We need to change it. And then it's a little bit like that, that, that the Formula One needs to look at. It's, you know, forget that we've always done it. It's, it's not that today is worse than the past. It's pretty similar. But let's think what maybe we could be doing in the future that, that will be more compelling for, for a new audience. I think actually that's a, the cricket analogy is quite an important one because I'm a cricket fan personally. I like Test cricket. I'll still go to a Test match. But the arrival of the short forms and the 2020 stuff has actually boosted everything. So it's it, it, for me, it's not the purist and the hardcore versus the rest of the world. It's about actually finding a way to, to make your sport continue to thrive. And you can still have niches where certain things where certain types of, of racing happen that appeal to people you can have the wider appeal so it, it's more it's about trying to shift the debate so it, like you say the whole it was better about then debate is sort of pits people want it to be like it was and obviously often they want the world to be like it was and often they want their lives to be like there was you know everyone everyone found it a bit easier when they were a bit younger and first getting into it because there were less less things to deal with aren't they? but trying to make the debate a little bit more three-dimensional shall we say yeah that that's certainly true and um, I, I also mentioned to people horse racing. I'm, I'm quite sure that when the car came along, people thought, well, nobody's going to watch horse racing ever again. We're just going to watch cars. But horse racing thrives today as ever it did. So maybe Formula One needs to be that escapism. You know, there, there, there are formulas, as Formula E we mentioned, that can provide the technological uh, drive for, for where the road car is clearly going uh, with, with hybrid and electrical cars in the future. But Formula One has that, that opportunity to be the escapism that, that people want. And uh, I think anybody that, that's been at Melbourne, when uh, one of the most exciting moments is when the, the jet planes come across and uh, go into a vertical escape and people are just blown away, literally blown away by the, the force, power and noise. And it, it's something like that, that maybe Formula One has lost that, that sense of awe. 
um, that um, that I, I think people would want to, to have. They want something that's that's compelling and something that that takes them out of their their daily routine. So let's say Formula One all gets together, decide they need to do something. They need a Maverick visionary. They think, oh, Paul Henry's free. He's a Maverick visionary. Get on the phone to you. What, what's uh, what's uh, your vision of Formula One? Because everything you talked about there makes sense. You sort of describe the world and you, you characterise the problems. But characterising problems is is one thing. Solutions and directions is, is the other. So what's what are what's the broad objective? And what does that actually look like in in real terms? Yeah, well, I think my wife would kill me if I decided to go travelling around the world again and abandoning the family for another twenty years. But <laughs> you're not um, going to get business cards. No, 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 <laughs> <with them. laughs> no, not really. And in reality, you know, the things that I've been saying are, are probably things that a lot of people in Formula One could actually say. You know, there are a lot of very intelligent people, but they're, they're driven by the objectives of the day. You know, what they're they're being asked and paid to do today, and it's not that they, they don't have have some vision themselves um you have an opportunity of course with the the agreements at the moment and in fact it's it's hard to see what what we have in hand for 2021 at the moment because probably the, there aren't circuits signed up teams aren't signed up yet and the rules aren't set so there is an opportunity but of course you, you know the owners of the sport are a listed company so anything radical is going to be very hard to do because they, they also have to deliver to shareholders and being radical unless you're in a disaster situation is unlikely to happen so it really is, you know, the land of fantasy. But I think you you would want to to create a championship for drivers. I think you'd want to make the driver the star. That that that's the one thing that you, you do realise that the public is interested in. They they want the star. They always ask you who's the best driver, which is is rather sad when you think about it because we do have at the top really extraordinary drivers. Unfortunately, when you see them working, it looks easy. It looks like they're pressing buttons, and you don't appreciate the extraordinary talents that those top guys have. And, and that's it. You know, it's, you, you want people to, to very clearly understand that what they've seen is extraordinary. And the people that are winning are indeed incredible drivers, are, are doing something that you could never in a million years do yourself. So whatever you do, and what I would do, is, is get the driver the focus and, and, and get, it's going to sound strange to some people, more Lewis Hamiltons. Now people, sometimes they want to, you know, make the negative comments with Lewis for what he does outside of Formula One. But my word, he, he really is the only genuine superstar that we have. You know, I, I spend a lot of time in, in LA and I, I see him out and about there. And, you know, he, he is a known person in the US. And there really aren't any of our other drivers that, that have that level of of um, recognition today with, with the public. So we, we need to create more characters. And we have a few coming through. You know, Danny's a great guy. You know, you have... Max, who's who's coming through as a bit of a firebrand as well. Kimmy has his certain style, so they need to have more freedom to to express their personalities. That that that's certainly for sure. But who who do you think stopping that? Well, you get tend to get the corporate, you know, companies sponsors. They don't want anything bad or outrageous to happen. You know, we have that incident last year, obviously with Max. You know, having a little bit of push pushy shufty, you know, around the, and um, you know, some people criticising it, but you know that happens. In almost every soccer game you're going to see, football game you're going to see at the weekend, there's going to be something like that. And just a little ounce of passion and suddenly somebody says, oh, that shouldn't happen. Whereas I'm sure for a lot of people, they were actually quite pleased to see that you know, they're not robots. They actually have uh, um, some fire and um, they've, got, they've got the motions. So it's little things like that, that that the public are going to want to see. But of course, then you want to try and think of, well, where are you going to go with the public? Because there's a younger generation that 
uh, maybe missing out at the moment on, on coming into Formula One. And then there's geographical regions, you know, China, you know, we've got to break China. Um, that tends to be driven by having a driver of that nationality. You know, as, as football teams are found, they, they try and bring in some some of the Asian players into their teams because they know that drives interest in the club in those regions. Mm. And, and that actually has been positive because there was a time when that was done more as a, a PR exercise or a commercial exercise. But now you're seeing top leagues all over the world. There's top players from that region who are absolutely there because they need them because they're, they need they're them outstanding because players. They're outstanding players. And you, know, you have to think that there must be a way of finding within the hundreds of millions of people in China there's somebody that can drive a Formula 1 car at a very high level and, and maybe today hard to find ones who can drive a taxi <laughs> yeah, we've, yeah we've seen that yeah so Shanghai is, a, is an interesting experience for sure but um, you could say that about Rome of course if you go there this is quite an exciting that's very true actually yeah. <laughs> it's quite an exciting time for driving but yeah with simulators today maybe there's a way that you you, you can put a, a huge number of people through simulators to see if there's some raw talent there um, maybe technology can aid us in, in finding some of those solutions. But um, is it actually reality going to change? I, I don't I don't think so. I think that's very hard. And the reason why it won't change in the way that people maybe are asking for is because, you know, the, the conflicts of interest. You, you wouldn't want to make a big change now that, that means if your liberty is going to lose maybe one of the, the, the car manufacturers. There's a good counter argument to say that you maybe don't need car manufacturers. Red Bull, they have two teams. They've come in as a uh, very strong, probably one of the best marketing companies in the world and shown that there is actually another business model that works for somebody trying to promote a product. They can use something like Formula One to promote their their, their product and, and, and take over a team and run a team successfully, technically very able. Um, but they're not a car manufacturer. And then they bring in, for example, somebody like Aston Martin, who seem very happy with their involvement in Formula One, but they don't make the engine. So, you know, there, there, there maybe is that, that opportunity to, to, to think a little different, but I, I would say that it's going to be very hard for, for them to do that at this moment in time. And we're getting too late in the day. You know, if you wanted to do something radical, you want a good run at it. You know, you want to set out your vision and then say, okay, you're the existing people. Um, if you want to be in it, you've got a certain amount of time to sign up to it. After that, we're going to open up the door and then we can go scouting for, for new partners. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very late in the day now. You know, we're, I know people think it's two years away, but that, that isn't a long time if you're, if you're looking at bringing in maybe new teams and new competitors. This is a disappointing thing about Liberty for me that obviously you don't expect them the second they come through the door to have something, but you give them a bit of time and you're hoping, well, something I was hoping to see some kind of vision but it, it very quickly they seem to just to send it back into the same thing of their they're just trying to keep keep all the teams signed up for giving them as little as they can keep the circuits there paying as much as they can and it it's kind of that they're, they're maintaining the old model and I understand why they're doing that from a business perspective but from a sporting perspective that that's a big a big concern yeah you're right but there has been 2 years um of them being able to understand and, and view the sport so they they've had a a good period of time to understand where, where the issues are and where the challenges are. Um, I, I do think it's very hard for them to, to come out and, and state something radical. And then the initial comments were actually quite radical when you, when you go back to some of the initial comments. When when you do have, you know, investors and you know, the people that own your business are expecting a return. And if you rock that boat, and Formula One has tried, of course, many, many things in the past. They've changed all sorts of formats, all sorts of layouts with, without any great success. So where we are today is, is the result of many years of, of continual development. So someone 
will probably be saying in, inside their business that, well, you know, who are we now to, to come up with something radical? And being radical will only happen when you're in a radical situation. And that means, you know, maybe all the manufacturers don't sign up for 2021 and you're left with uh, maybe three or four teams and you don't know where you're going in two years' time. That would be radical. Then you could do something really dramatic. That's unlikely to happen. Although, you know, you can question sitting from the outside. Mercedes, they're probably, I know nobody's going to really want to hear this one, I'm going to say now, they're probably going to win another two years. Uh, that's a likelihood. You know, they've dominated in the, in the last period of time and they, they, they clearly know what they're doing with the current regulation. So they, they would be favourite to win the next two years. Probably when they look at that and think, well, you know, we, we could go out at the top here, there's new regulations, maybe we should uh, leave at the top of the sport because there's only one way, isn't there, from the top, and that's down. So they may have that comment. Um, if Renault haven't been winning or Honda haven't been winning, they could equally say the same. Well, you know, we, we've given it our best shot and maybe it's not uh, it's not for us. So you might end up with, with Ferrari as the only manufacturer, or McLaren, of course, because they, um, they are a car manufacturer, but um, not an engine maker for, for Formula One. So that would cause, that would cause a dramatic situation. It's unlikely, but you do need that. So if, if if the fans are expecting something radical, unfortunately, you need a bit of a disaster and uh, you need a crisis to, to, to create um, create rapid change. And at the moment, there, there are no signs of that. So it's more likely that there'll be an evolution rather than revolution. If you had a, a free hand on the direction of what the car should be, you say, obviously, quite rightly, the drivers should be the, should be the stars. And for the majority of fans, that's the case. There are a, a smaller subset who... Do focus more on the cars and technology, but the majority, yeah, it's uh, it, it's drivers. What what cars do you put them in to really, you know, setting the problems aside? What what sh- should you be working towards to put them in to create that 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 excitement, create those those characters on track with what they're doing? You can probably talk to the drivers about that, and some of them do do have do have good opinions on this. And I give an example, not in Formula One, but from rallying when when Colin McRae was alive. Um, People may recall that he, he built his own rally car to how he wanted it to be, you know. So, what was it, 350, 400 horsepower rear-wheel drive? He didn't want a four-wheel drive car, which, you know, rallying cars have become. And then that's probably true of, of maybe the, the dream Formula 1 car for for Sebastian or Lewis. They're certainly going to want a lot of power. You know, 1,500 horsepower should be quite feasible. Uh, possibly even a manual gearbox to, to give them the challenge of, of, of gear changes. Um, less electronics and less influence of, of aero, more more similarity of aero. You know, what they would want is to be seen as the gladiator. They want to come out of that car on a Sunday knowing I gave it everything and I was the best. And once they have that, then I think you can see genuine, genuine interest in, 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 in something that's different to what you can get in other forms of motorsport and other forms of entertainment because, you know, the the, the performance for the cars should be easy to find. And, and then it comes down to where the driver can make the difference. And, and that, that, that is the one aspect that you only see between teammates, obviously, today. You know, you, you can tell, looking at teammates, that you know, both of them are in what, what is supposed to be the same car. Obviously, sometimes they argue when somebody's not winning, they, they claim their teammate has preferential treatment. But um, for the majority of cases, they do have the same car, and you see that one driver is better than the other. It's yeah. very conclusive that Lewis Hamilton is a better all-round Grand Prix driver than Valtteri Bottas. Yes. Which doesn't mean that Bottas is bad, but no. just at that level. And Because that's how it should be. At the top, top level, we are talking here at the most extraordinary level. 
um, there is that little difference and you can see that and you saw it maybe with Sebastian when he was with Mark Webber Mark wasn't a bad driver in any way but Sebastian during that period was the better driver in that car it's, uh, but it's a frustrating thing isn't it that you've got these drivers who are you know even even the worst one on the Grand Prix grid at the moment is a phenomenally good driver the teams for the most part are remarkable organisation they do brilliantly so you've got this this kind of element where every, everything's being done brilliantly but it, you know it, it's not it's not showing through yeah, and that's the frustration, I think. But it did. It, it's, it's always been like that, which is, again, we'll come back to that point. I know it's a bit boring that it wasn't that in the past it was better. It was always that, that way. Um, and it's only when you get two exceptional drivers in, in the same car, as we saw uh, with Lewis early on in his career with Fernando. And Fernando is, is, is personally, I think, a great loss to the sport because he, he really um, is... And was an, an extraordinary driver, and he was one of the drivers last season, for example, who you know obviously wasn't in a competitive car, but you could see the impact of the driver. You could see he was doing something to the car to drag it into a position that probably its natural performance didn't have, but you could see the impact of the driver in that case. So, you know, the the, the top drivers really are extraordinary, um, but you'll only see that difference if you have cars with more parity of performance. I mean, when it when it comes to trying to understand what what people want and what the fans want, for example, you focus on drivers. There've been various surveys that talk about technology being important and manufacturers being important, and and this, that, and the other. How do you actually know what what the audience wants? Because it's it's a tricky thing. Yeah. <laughs> Judge it, judging yeah, the audience, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's, and, and sometimes the answers you get aren't actually what they do. You know, that's that's another dilemma i think for for anything if you're going to try and go audience based and of course a lot of the audience don't currently follow formula one because you're looking for new people i always feel there's, there's a feel feeling like if you ask them do they like technology there'll, there'll be some who will be honestly honestly will think that some will think they they do but <laughs> it, it's always a little bit like if you ask them take it to make a publishing analogy if you ask people how important local newspapers are for example in the uk everyone will say oh no they're really important but people aren't buying them for the most <laughs> part, except a few exceptions. So again, it's that you sort of want to, you want to present the better part of yourself. So well, I, I see why that's important, but actually, I don't really like it. It doesn't it doesn't work for me in real in real world. That that's absolutely true. It's um, it's it, it's something that you know it's a very dangerous road to go down. And I think you, the question is probably got to be a little bit wider than do you want technology. I think it's it needs more analysis of what people actually do with their spare time. Where do they invest their time? Where do they invest their money? On the, in the more generic sense, rather than specific to Formula One, because for, if you ask somebody, as you quite rightly say, do you like the idea of technology? I think a lot of people go, yeah, that's great. The reality is, how many people will, will actually watch a piece on technology? As and a, it's where it sits in the hierarchy as well, isn't it? Is exactly. It, is it item seven on the list or one? Yeah. Or, or if you show there was an instant uh, a crash or a spin out or an amazing overtaking manoeuvre, if you did a list of videos, you know, online, and and said, right, you can, you know, watch one of these or have the choice of them, you're pretty sure that something like technology would be pretty low. The, certainly, the thrills and spills, anyone will tell you, uh, in any form of motorsport, is, is is what people like to see. It's what people, you know, gasp at. It's what make people go, wow. Uh, they want to be enthralled by. So it really is an aspect of that. And I know people say, well, you know, people watch soccer game, football game for 90 minutes, and there may only be one goal, two goals, three goals. So are they only watching it for those two or three goals? The reality is no, because there's also a lot of play that doesn't lead to a goal, which can also be 
um, exceptional that can create um, create highlights and create interest. So for Formula One, we also know that when you get the highlights program, they don't show you a car going around on its own, not overtaking anybody. That doesn't come up on the highlights. What comes up on the highlights is the the um, uh, overtaking maneuver, uh, coming together of cars, um, something something exceptional. So you know. That probably lie is where in lies the key. You know, people love a, a race when it's been wet. You know, it's been raining because that gives you unpredictability. They love a race where the safety car comes out ten laps to go. Maybe we need that more often. You know, the the, the safety car to bunch them up just before the last five laps. You know, th those situations tend to lead to what we call enthralling and exciting racing. So we we know what it looks like because we've seen it, and we just need more of it. And that maybe comes back to jokingly what what Bernie said once about you know pressing a button and the, the the floodgates come out onto the circuit mid-race randomly. And it is that because the teams will spend millions making everything predictable. They want to study and make everything planned, predictable, and completely, completely without any stress or strain. They lose that when, you know, they, they, they get a bit of rain or a safety car. You know, that wasn't in the business model. Yeah, good racing is about variables. Yeah. Teams eliminate variables. It's exactly. So, I mean, what we're talking about is have to... I don't really want to talk to you too much about tyres, given you've probably had enough of that over the past <laughs> few decades. But with what you're talking about there, yeah. one of the things that did happen was obviously the high deck tyres. Yeah. I know you've, you're probably bored of talking <laughs> about that and defending <laughs> it in the past. But in terms of a, of a case study for what that, that achieved, because it, it wasn't always the most popular, but it did create some variables. But it was also not very well communicated by the Formula One side, shall we say. There was a misunderstanding of what it was meant to be. And we always see... In fact, the tyres are a great example of the backwards and forwards. It's like, oh, we want more deg, we want less deg, we want more, less, more. And it's like, well, you're almost like you're trying to solve all of Formula One's problems with the tyres. Well, <laughs> and it, it, well, it was a, it was like that at the start, you know. And, and that was why that was the input we had when we when we came in at the time. It was very much, you know, we've had very processional racing. It's it's very, you know, it's boring. The least overtaking manoeuvres in the history of the sport, I think. Uh, and they said we want to have the most overtaking manoeuvres and so they asked us to come up with something that, that was a variable and maybe initially people liked it then people started saying no we don't like it and then when we went to let's say more uh, or less degradation tyres then people said they didn't like that either so I, I, you're not going to sort all the ills of uh, Formula 1 just through the tyres you, know, you can do but it needs to be something that the whole sport you know, wants wants to buy into and explains Um so that 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 was that was one good example, I guess, of of, of where the problem was recognised, but clearly not everybody had bought into the solution. Well, it's an interesting example with, for example, the drivers. I like would talk about making the drivers sense but even the drivers, their vision of what would be Formula One, because the drivers generally quite like the the sort of sprint between pit stops era, which often at times was quite was quite dull as well because you couldn't overtake, and drivers love that because if you put a driver on a track and they're driving at one hundred percent pretty much all the way through they'll have a pretty good time themselves. That they, they will. They'll, they'll enjoy it. But it's not their job to have a view of what the wider world is is looking at, if you like. So it's 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 this great problem, isn't it, of nobody's got the right answers. You know, you won't have a single maverick visionary necessarily. You can make everything work. They'll always need ideas to be fed in. They might be able to sort through the ideas. Yeah. But it's that classic problem of of how you find a direction in amongst all the noise and the, Agendas, isn't it? It's just agendas upon agendas. Cause I think it's probably quite easy for people to understand what the manufacturers and the FI and all these people have their different agendas. But then the drivers, the individuals, and then the individual teams will, if they're towards the back, they'll want some change. 
if they're towards the front, they won't watch it. Well, that, that's, that's certainly true. But I guess you need to take something like F2, the, the old GP2 um, category, because that that's ultimately what I'm saying is that a super F2, you know, with much more performance, is, is, is what you're looking at. And you can see that. The driver does make a difference. Good teams are still good teams. They're the teams that are consistently at the front. But you have a lot of variables removed. You know, you have a standard chassis and standard, standard engine, et cetera, et cetera. So within that environment, you still can have an engineering impact and you can have a driver impact. So if you can imagine an F2 taken up, you know, taken up to gas mark, you know, 10 of whatever, then, then you've, you've, you've got an idea of the type of racing that you're likely to see. So if you don't like that, then then that's that's going to be a problem. But that that is the, the natural consequence of trying to make the drivers the star is, is taking out the vehicle impact on the performance and making the driver have a, a great. It doesn't eliminate it, of course, because as I said, you know, in, in, in F2, there's there's good teams and teams that aren't as good. You know, there's consistently good teams, and that and that would still be the case. It would still be the case. You know, if you if you you took it up a level, but it would allow the driver to to have a bigger say in the result of the race. Mm-hmm. It's always about man and machine, but you want the the bias to be a bit different. I always think, like, for example, with with Alonso, I was writing a column last year about the reason he's moved on is he's kind of lost hope with it. In that, fifteen years ago, you could hope that a team like McLaren that was struggling could make a pretty big step and not necessarily leap right to the front in a single bound, but you know it can happen relatively quickly. But now, if you're Carlos Sainz heading into your first season with McLaren, you're thinking. We'll give it a few years, give it three, four, five years. We might get into a position where we can where we can start winning, which is which is really tough to eliminate that. I, mean, I think that played a part in in what Fernando did because he knew that it wasn't going to turn around that quickly. If there's and you eliminate that hope, and that that's quite that's quite worrying, really, isn't it? Yeah, look, the te- the teams will know already through winter testing and, and certainly by Sunday night in Melbourne where they are more or less, because the the top teams have a rate of development that is is similar it's not they're not all the same um but but they are similar which means that if you are behind to try and catch up you're trying to catch a moving target so it's not as if they're going to stand still and you can catch up and overtake them no you know you, you've got to have a natural development plus you've got a step change development and that's almost impossible to do in, in formula one today. we think about the last time there was actually something like that someone started the season badly by relative expectations it, it just just it just doesn't it can't it can't happen the teams are too good now in that they're already at a certain level and it's it's just a grind of development well it, it is not I, I guess particularly quite depressing if you, you you get out there and you know that oh this is going to be a tough season and you will hear that you if you behind the scenes you will hear people in melbourne they'll be you know probably after qualifying on on saturday you'll see some people that are going oh this is going to be a long season this is going to be a the, tough the funny one. thing with that is always particularly with the way Melbourne works is all the teams who are struggling a bit they'll know they're struggling but there's always that little hope <laughs> oh maybe when it all shakes out but always in Melbourne they're even slower than they expect because <laughs> it's always a track that exaggerates the gaps yep. as well yep. so you, you kind of think you're going to be oh we might be able to be close and then you're sort of 4% off the yep. pace or something you're like oh this is it, that's very disaster. true it's very true so that, that, that means that you, you really have your season set out already by race one. You know, there's not going to be any massive step changes. And that, and again, for the fans, that that's frustrating because if you are a fan of, uh, you know, we've got a couple of young British drivers coming into the sport, great talents, and uh, we, have to, we have to have a great desire that one of them will, will overtake uh, Lewis's crown one day and become the, the new British, British um, hope. 
Um, but if the season starts off badly for for the pair of them, it's 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 going to be a bit depressing seeing the the lads right at the back all the time when we'd love to see them at the front. And also that for for the individuals, the novelty wears off very quickly. If you get to Formula One and you're at the back, you have a few races of oh, I'm in Formula One, and then they'll sort of remember their racing drivers <laughs> and they've got to, got there for the most part by winning, yes. and then they're suddenly plunged into a position they're not remotely prepared for. Which is a strange. Well, you take, take both of those. You know, they've they've been, for example, in in F two and battling away. You know, over the weekend, as you say, being able to come through the field because of their talent and knowing that even if they have a you know, bad qualifying, that they probably in the race can still you know get on the podium. So, well, you're right. They've been used to the the top step and the champagne. Um, to be battling away at the back is is, is pretty tough. It's very tough, and. Yeah, some people were saying to me about Fernando and he was struggling. You're going, yeah, oh, look, he's past it. I was saying, what, what are you on about? He's still one of the greatest drivers of all time. But, you know, if you're you're sat there as the public, you don't understand all this. You don't understand really that maybe the car isn't, is, isn't you know, up to the job. You know, you, you want to believe that the driver is still really the the, the major element in, in, in the race weekend. And to an extent, that is true. Um, particularly qualifying people enjoy qualifying you know people enjoy qualifying because they see people going flat out and you see some extraordinary laps i mean lewis in singapore last year was 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 an astounding lap of uh, uh, skill ability you know and something out of this world but it's few and far between those those, those moments but qualifying qualifying is is something that has, has its appeal because you do see people flat out against the clock and um, again you 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 can see within teams the the pecking order between between the teammates. I think the comparison with F2 actually reveals how much strength Formula 1 has that it needs to not throw away. Because, for example, the F2 race, more often than not, will be the most exciting racing on a Grand Prix weekend. Now, it's very hard to get anyone to watch it or read about it. Well, we know that we know that broadcasters know that it's it's just the case because Formula 1 is Formula 1. So you've got this incredible... It is an incredible brand still. There's incredible draw to it that it still has. And that sort of shows what Formula One has got that it needs to invest in and, and ensure it's built on, ensure it's kind of future proofed, if you if you like, which I guess is what we've really been talked about. So, in amongst all the justified sort of negativity about it, there is that element of, well, we've actually got something that's really, that is really big, that is really valuable. And we, that, that, and that, that's why it would be such a shame just to, just to squander it through almost, almost neglect, which will happen eventually. Yeah. It's, I always say to people that, you know, um, I was involved in over 400 different championships around the world uh, when we were supplying um, 54 countries. And that's a huge number of championships. And I said, there's 399 that would love to be Formula One. You know, you're quite right that, that Formula One has a great name. It has you know, a great pool still, of course. I think it's more that people are um, not saying everything's bad because it certainly isn't. It's more recognition that going forward, we can see some stormy, stormy waters, and um, it would be negligent to to not consider that the world is changing. It's it's not really Formula One that, that's changed, as I said earlier. That the racing is is very similar to what it has been during you know the the glory years that people like to refer back to. So it's it's, it's certainly no worse, and maybe better product than 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 some of those years. The reality is. It's it's the external factors. It's 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 the public. It's the way uh, consumers are, are behaving that's changing rapidly, which which is the warning signs for, for Formula One. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You, 
you say the storm coming you don't you don't keep sailing straight into the storm if you if you can avoid it but i think you've kind of summed up why there there is this this lack of will to to, to really change things which is which is a shame and you know, you know there's all the there's still excitement about what 2021 could bring and i know those involved with the cars are interested in and quite excited about what can happen but you just know the 2021 car while i suspect there'll be some quite substantial changes and they will they should if they get it right be easier to follow but it's it's going to be kind of a i think we're going to be saying similar thing like you said about these ones it's a, for the changes for this year that it was sort of a step in the right direction but not enough and then in 2021 it'll be a bigger step but there's going to be that feeling of missed opportunity because ultimately you can't solve all the problems and get a pathway through the future by tackling one thing you know it's not the car it's not the tires it's not the drivers it's not the set it's it's the whole collective thing and that's where the really the really successful sporting properties of which f1 is one but needs to continue to be that's where the most successful sporting properties have really thrived by knowing what they're trying to do and taking a more holistic view should we say i think you've you've, you've summed that really well because there certainly isn't one fix there, there isn't one fix at all, and when I described the, the Super F2, um, that was only because if you get into a crisis situation, there is a way out. But equally, that's not the only the only aspect of the sport. You know, you you do need to have character. You have to allow the, the drivers to become characters. We have to promote the drivers as international sports people. You know, you you need to have the drivers going to the Cannes Film Film Festival, sat at Centre Court at Wimbledon, to to be seen as international celebrities. You know, because you have to have that because otherwise, what what are you selling? You know, what dream are you selling? Um, we we have had iconic drivers in the past. You know, we think of James Hunt. You can think of Nicky Lauda. There, there are some obviously Ayrton Senna, but Michael. You know, we've we've had iconic great drivers and Lewis is, is becoming one and is one now but we need large groups you know it needs to be I'm a Formula 1 driver and people need to go wow you know these these are the real you know these people are the real deal whereas at the moment they're not allowed to express themselves they're not allowed to get excited they're not allowed to say things without repercussions every interview is recorded by 50 people so if they say something out of out of sync with the, the the corporate message, and that takes away the personalities, and that, that's that's the element that um, would take Formula One back closer, closer to the uh, the, the fans or the future fan base. Allied as well, of course, to accessibility of seeing the sport, and the, you know, the television model has gone heavily towards pay pay per view, which which is great from an income point of view. In terms of actual numbers of people watching the sport, is has been very damaging. You know, Italy lost many millions of people, as as has the UK. Uh, two huge Formula One fan base markets that have a lot of people now that that aren't watching the sport because they can't or won't you know, pay for the uh, the pay TV. Short term, you could say that's not a problem. Long term, it means your fan base is is going to be reduced. You know, over time, it's going to get smaller and smaller. So there's there's little things amongst all of the other you know not just the cars that that, that are impacting on on the popularity and, and visibility uh, of formula one you know maybe maybe there's going to be a change in the in the, the television model and go i know they've been looking at over the top distribution maybe maybe it'll appear on netflix maybe it'll become an itunes show you know maybe that that will be something dramatic that that's coming that we don't know about yet that um would would change completely the um the visibility and appeal of Formula One to to a much wider audience. So, 
we have we have to hope that there are going to be these types of changes that will that will add to the um the compelling nature of, of formula one as, as we rightly said that formula one as a brand is well known even if people aren't watching it they do actually know what it is which is, is already a very good step in the right direction and, and something that 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 is a great asset the, the 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 sport has but it's only an asset if you use it and that that that's that's i think what we're talking about is going forward those choppy waters are there if we carry on doing what we've always done there's a great risk that we we could get left behind no, I think that's quite a good uh, good summary of it. And I guess though we could talk around on this topic for ages. We should probably uh, look to wrap it up unless there's any other topics of the areas we haven't specifically addressed because there's so many different directions you can go off in. And, well, there uh, are, and, and I think that that is that is the difficulty of the fans, and they're probably not even interested in in all, all of these things. You you think about the the circuit promoters have recently written to the sport saying mm. they're unhappy with the future direction of Formula One. They don't see how their business model can work. You know, they get charged. It's, all, it's impossible. It's almost impossible to make a. To, to make break even on a on a Grand Prix if you're doing it on a completely commercial basis, which is crazy. Which, which is crazy, and it's because their their hosting fees are very very high. They don't even get the the top VIP hospitality, you know, which was great for for Bernie and CVC at the time. But the circuits were so you've taken our earning opportunities away from us. Um, so you know they they have big dilemmas that they're saying would you know it's it really doesn't make much sense for us to 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 be hosting. A Formula One race, and people find that hard to understand when you have maybe one hundred thousand people turning up on Sunday at Silverstone, and they're saying, "Well, how can they not be making money?" Um, but putting on an event like Silverstone, as I'm sure the the promoters will, will tell you, is, is is very expensive, and a lot of the income streams they don't actually get get their hands on. So it's uh, this is another big warning sign because if you don't have races, you don't have a championship, and that. That, that's another aspect that, that people will probably not really want to be talking about or interested in as fans. They're going, oh, just find another one, wouldn't you, surely? But the reality is it's, it's not that easy. It's not that easy to find circuits that can host Formula One that are technically homologated, have the infrastructure, um, have the desire and, and investment to, to, to host a Formula One race. So, you know, these, these choppy waters are, are, are maybe getting choppier by, by the moment. And uh, you, you simply can't ignore those factors or you will end up in in a situation where you, you do have to go to crisis mode which may, may be good may be bad it, it depends on your perspective uh, for making change is probably a good idea but um to to have tranquility going forward for 2021 it's probably not what you want to see and also sums up how important formula One is for the whole motorsport ecosystem i think you mentioned you're involved in 400 championships your time with Pirelli and probably Formula One outweighs all the other 399 in terms of the the benefits of a company's visibility, shall we say? Not necessarily the obviously you're in different championships for different commercial reasons, but it it, it shows how why F1 is important and motorsport as a whole can't afford to say to say well let let Formula One fall because something won't rise up and take its place in the same way because it'll tear down so much else with it. Yeah, and that. that you know it is the pinnacle there is absolutely no doubt of motorsport and motorsport fans you know don't like to admit it but it is a niche sport you know it isn't soccer it's not baseball it's not basketball it, it is a niche sport so it's not going to have the mass appeal of of some of the other sports that often it is compared to so sometimes you know falsely compared to 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 football you know it's not tribal it's it's not religion it's uh, it, it's not that however in terms of motorsport it's so far ahead of any other category by 
factors of probably hundreds in terms of what it means, what it means to sponsors, what it means to um, competitors, visibility, television channels. So it is true, Formula One as a product is extraordinary still. But clearly, it can be even better. It can be even better and can get even bigger. Um, and, and the brains of the people involved in Formula One are such that they, they can find solutions. Anything we've spoken about, they can find solutions to. If they want to have cars that overtake a lot, they can design cars that do that. There's absolutely no doubt that, given that input, if they won championship points for the number of overtaking manoeuvres <laughs> or made money from it, um, you know, if there was a bonus pot <laughs> for the whole teams that they got if they managed to... Um, they will have access to money if the sport created X numbers of overtaking maneuvers. They'll come up with it. They'll find a way of doing it. it it's just, what what are you asking them to do? If you ask them at the moment to make the fastest car within the regulations that they currently have, well, Mercedes have pretty well cracked that one, and uh, the, the, they know what to do. But you could give those same engineers a completely different input, and they could do the same. The, the people involved are exceptional. They are extraordinary talents, amazing abilities, and... You know, you just need them focused in the right direction to create something that um, probably the the public, a new public, uh, a new a new younger public would want to watch. No, I think that's a good uh, a good plan for a maverick visionary. I would, I would, I would say. That's a, <laughs> well, so I'm not, I wasn't, wasn't actually looking for anything like that. And there'll be plenty of other people with different views and uh, different ideas, as as there often is in Formula One. But um, the 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 future is, is an interesting one. The next couple of years for Formula One are absolutely critical, you know, and that uh, there is huge opportunity, huge opportunity to be had at this moment in time. No, I think it's good, and thank you very much. It's good to have the insight for our listeners to someone who's been in the in the middle of it, in the crossfire, <laughs> who's actually lived it because it's uh, it's it, it's a complicated uh, complicated place, the political landscape of Formula One. And yeah, that, it's, unfortunately, it's very complex. Much as you like it to all be the on track stuff that it's the politics that influences it does and that's part of the appeal as well i think there's there's an element of of that 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 probably we need more of if anything you know there were some issues last year arguing over maybe legality of some of the cars without going into much detail but that that could have become even more lively and i think the public would have loved that it's always much more lively in private behind the scenes (laughs) uh, i think i think think some of the meetings actually would would would, would be ratings hits if you uh, could actually see them that's for sure that would make a good netflix show (laughs) well thank you very much paul hembury and uh, and good luck for your your post pirelli life thanks very much pleasure with the latest formula one season rapidly approaching do check out autosport.com for all the latest news from the paddock we've still got material covering what happened in testing what teams are expecting to do ahead of the first race lots to read there check out our plus subscriber area not just formula one but the whole world of motorsport the world's best motorsport journalists writing there for a small subscription fee and do check out sister titles motorsport.com f1 racing magazine out monthly and motorsport news out every wednesday and if you fancy a flutter and think you can predict what's going to happen in australia please download the pit stop betting app thanks for joining us we'll be back soon with another Autosport Podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess. For elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.